We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another BuzzBeat episode. We've got a little bit of a different format today as we are doing a pregame podcast and bringing on a guest who has a lot of knowledge on the Phoenix Suns. That is Charlotte's opponent tonight, Friday, December 29th. We welcome Gerald Bourget, writer and podcaster for PHNX Suns. Gerald, thanks for joining. How's everything going? Going great. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's nice to be back in the swing of things after Christmas, and uh, hopefully we'll get a good game tonight. Exactly. And I wanted to start with the big three of Booker, Durant, and Beal. These three have barely played together with you know some kind of combination of injuries. Beal, obviously, his back has probably been the biggest deterrent for these three guys getting run together. When you go all in on building a team centered around three really good players, obviously the depth suffers. And I don't want to play like the hindsight game. I, I hate to play this, but you know, looking back on the trade for KD or looking back on the trade for Beal, is there any kind of regret seeping in, whether it's from you, whether it's from the community or fans? Like, is that conversation being had in Phoenix? Yeah, I mean, there is definitely a sense of regret for some of the fans out here in regards to, you know, the KD trade with trading away two fan favorites like the Twins, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. Those guys were really beloved out here for, you know, their personalities, for what they brought on the court, for the fact that they were young cornerstones that kind of helped turn the franchise around. Um, And certainly with the Bradley Beal trade, he's only played six games so far. Um, and you look at the team's depth, and when you go all in on three superstars, you kind of need those guys to be healthy. Um, I thought the Suns had actually done a really good job in free agency of getting guys on veteran minimum deals that I wasn't expecting to be on those types of deals, but the depth really hasn't come through for them so far. Um, And part of that is just because they've had so many injuries, not just to the big three, but up and down the roster that have kind of prevented Vogel from finding a rotation of set guys that he can rely on. Um, but my thing with the, you know, hindsight is 2020 is that you make the KD trade 10 times out of 10. If you can get a top 15 player of all time who is still playing at an extremely high level. I mean, up until the last couple of weeks when the Suns hit this skid, 
he was having one of the best seasons of his entire career at age 35. Um, and with Beal, you know, there's the perception that they gave up depth to trade for Bradley Beal. But to be honest, they had Chris Paul under contract for like 30 million. That all they had to give up for a player of Bradley Beal's status was an aging Chris Paul who also couldn't stay healthy and Landry Shamit, who was kind of a disaster while he was here. Um, they didn't have a ton of cap space. If they were going to create anything, it would be to wave and stretch Chris Paul's contract. And even that would only free up the MLE. So it's not like they missed out on signing a bunch of depth guys and free agency because they traded for Bradley Beal. If anything, if even if they had freed up that MLE, who are you going to sign in free agency that's as good as Bradley Beal? Um, so there's definitely, you know, in Phoenix, the sky is kind of falling because the team is is losing and, and things aren't going well. But uh, I, I hesitate on the revisionist history of they gave up depth to go this route. Maybe beyond the season, you can make that argument. But for this season, they were kind of stuck given the way their salaries were structured. Yeah, the Hornets have a very similar problem, uh, not obviously to the extent that the Suns have, but they are very reliant on their top five guys and their depth uh, right now is not great. There's a lot of injuries that pop up. It seems like that's been a trend and a theme with the Hornets and some of their guys at the back end of the rotation just can't step up and and propel this team to a point to where they, they need to be. But in the minutes that these three guys have played together, what's been the overall takeaway and how are they able to play off of each other with KD, Beal, and Booker? Yeah, it's been good. I mean, they've only played 24 minutes together, but I think they were a plus 19 or 18 in those minutes. Um, they had like a plus 26 net rating or something like that. So they were good when they've been on the court together. Um, you know, obviously they lost their debut game together against the Brooklyn Nets. Um, which had that extra steam because it was against the Twins and it was at home. Um, and then the second game, they were doing well in those minutes until you know Bradley Beal lands on Dante DiVincenzo's foot um, and is out again until January. So a really limited sample size that we've seen there. I think the biggest challenge for the Suns in those minutes was figuring out how to stagger certain lineups with each of the big three when the other guys needed to rest because – when you have three players like that, you want to keep at least one of them on the court at all times. Um, so the challenge for Vogel is going to be figuring out who do I put with Bradley Beal when Book and KD are on the bench? Who do I put with KD when those two are on the bench? That type of thing. Um, but in the limited, very small, teasingly small sample size that we got of those three, it looked pretty good. Yeah, and obviously, like you mentioned, we won't get those three against the Hornets tonight. I, I wanted to talk about point Book. I, I think we can all envision... Okay from the outside, like Devin Booker being a guy that plays with the ball in his hands because he can get to his spots, you know, maybe not so much this season, but he's been one of the best mid-range pull-up shooters in recent history. Um, but this season, he's also doing a good job of getting others involved. He has the highest assist percentage of his career by a pretty sizable margin. Other than the fact that it's probably a necessity for Phoenix to have him play some point guard, why Why has that worked for him? And maybe not recently, but why has that worked for him in terms of playing that point guard position? Yeah, I've been asking a lot of different opposing head coaches what they think of it based on what they've seen from the film. And the consensus seems to be that, you know, Booker is a dangerous scorer with the ball in his hands. And by starting plays with the ball in his hands, you're doubling down on that by making him dangerous as a scoring threat and as a passing threat. It just automatically starts you from a place where as a defense, you have to be on high alert 
because of what he can do in either regard. Um, you know, Point Book has been, it's been really good. A lot of people out here are not high on it anymore because the last couple of weeks, it feels like he struggled to thread the needle between scorer and playmaker. Uh, early in the season, it was looking pretty seamless. And I think the Beal injury, the most recent one, kind of took the wind out of everybody's sails. But he's been good. I think he's been, you know, top seven in both potential assists and um, assist points created. Obviously, he's near top five in the league in assists per game, uh, all while still averaging around 28 points per game. So he's been really good. This has been the best season of his career, despite the way the last couple of weeks have gone. But at this point in time, in order to kind of allow him to do what he does best, I think the Suns should be exploring a trade for a backup kind of point guard to give him a few more reps off the ball. And the other thing that has kind of hurt the point book balance is he needs to be more willing to take pull-up threes. That's kind of an, a weapon that makes him impossible to guard. But as of right now, if he's not launching those shots, he's getting double teamed. He's having to get off the ball. And, you know, the Suns' other guys right now are not really making defenses. They're not punishing them for using that approach. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and you mentioned the last couple of weeks for Phoenix has been a struggle. The offense, the defense has been struggling. The three-point shot has not been falling. Defensively, you guys have been, you know, giving up a you know a good percentage from from deep. Now that's not something that you necessarily have to worry about with the Hornets because they don't take a a ton of volume from behind the arc and they are not real efficient from back there. But if you could pinpoint like one or two things as a team that have been holding Phoenix back, w- what are those things? that have been holding them back. And obviously they only have like one or two wins in the past couple of weeks. Yeah. They've lost uh, nine of their last 12. That was going into the Rockets game, I guess. But I, I feel like three point shooting has been a big one for them. You know, over this stretch, I think they were 29th and three point attempts and like 28th or 29th and three point efficiency. So this is a team that you assembled a lot of guys that you thought were shooters. You know, you got Eric Gordon, got Grayson Allen. 
Um, Keita Bates-Diop shot a career high, like 39% from three last year. He's barely seen the floor because he's shooting like 25%. Uh, Josh Okogie, I think statistically, is more open than anybody in the NBA and is still shooting like 20s in three-point percentage. Um, that's a tough one. Jordan Goodwin, only around 30%, if that. So it, it's been pretty brutal because the guys that defenses are allowing to take shots are not knocking them down. Nasir Little, he's been pretty average. It, it just feels like every player that they got that they were expecting to hopefully knock down some shots, be respectable in that regard, hasn't been able to do it. So that's the biggest one recently for me. Um, the other one is is kind of obvious, like the defensive end has just has been a struggle. Like that's what Frank Vogel is known for. And they haven't been able to adapt his system, which usually needs a rim protecting shot blocking big in the middle to a guy like Yusuf Nurkic to a guy like Drew Eubanks when he's in there. Um, so that's been a struggle, but honestly the defense hasn't even been as bad as the offense recently. The flow on that end has been horrendous and they've struggled against, you know, teams like the wizards and the blazers. So at this point in time, nothing is really a given in terms of whoever they're playing on a nightly basis. I know it's hard to judge this, but I, I've seen a lot of headlines pop up that there is like an effort or body language issue with, you know, Kevin Durant or just some of the sons. Like, is that is that something that you're sensing or is that just too hard to judge? It, it is a hard thing to judge, but I do think the body language has been really bad over the last couple of weeks. And, and I typically stay away from that type of stuff because it could just be healthy frustration on a botched coverage or a bad play. Um, guys will get down on themselves when a team is not winning, but it's been noticeably bad for to the point where I, you can't really ignore it. Like there are plays where Kevin Durant will just make a terrible turnover, just kind of jog back on defense. Um, and he'll be frustrated by, you know, when an opposing team scores, his body language just hasn't been good. And, and, I, I don't want to lean too much into that Woj report from the other day that he's frustrated with the situation because, like, they've lost 9 of 12. Of course he's frustrated. Everybody's frustrated. It doesn't mean he wants out, but, like, as much as he's saying all the right things about we're going to figure it out, we're going to get things going, the body language, the the post-game interviews, they've been noticeably down. And until the Suns get back in that win column – there's going to be this kind of dark cloud looming overhead of like, okay, what do we need to do to get this on the right track? Because we're going to risk upsetting these superstars that we worked to assemble. Um, and if that happens, then everything that we gave up, all the homegrown talents, the youth the draft picks, we're kind of left stuck looking ahead to the future. I wanted to get into some other individual players and, and kind of your evaluation on their performance this season and the first guy that has just intrigued me, you know, negatively and, and, and in a positive way over the course of his career, and I don't really understand too much of his role with the Suns, is Yuta Watanabe. Like, I, I don't understand why he's been receiving so many DNPs. He was a guy that's that's played with KD before. He can space the floor. What's been the issue with him trying to get court time? Yeah, Yuta's kind of disappointed early in the season, and obviously – a lot of these rotations have been all over the place, one, by necessity due to injury, and two, Frank Vogel had promised, like, I'm going to try different rotations, I'm going to try different lineups, because for him and his coaching staff that's basically brand new, all of these guys on this roster, except for, like, two or three, are from different places around the NBA. They're all new faces. Um, so he needs time to kind of evaluate different options, and recently Yuta's been on the short end of the stick there. 
Um, and I think part of that is because he did not play well when he got his look to start the season. Um, you know, he wasn't shooting the ball well from three-point range. This is a guy who had a career year shooting the ball. He fits in that same category of three-point shooters I was talking about that they were expecting that right. just hasn't happened. Um, and this is a team where he should thrive with all the gravity towards Book and KD as a corner three-point shooter. He's disappointed. Um, and defensively, he tries hard, but a lot of times he's just a step slow on rotations. He fouls a lot. Um, you know, he's the guy that defenses will attack or offenses will attack on the defensive end. So he's kind of disappointed on both ends. I think he'll warrant another look here, especially if the Suns continue to struggle from three because he is one of their more reliable three-point shooters despite the down year. But uh, yeah, he, he's just been kind of rough on both ends to start this one off. Gotcha. Now with Aiton gone, how has Nurkic been playing this season and how is everyone in Phoenix feeling about like the center rotation just in general? They're worried about the center rotation. I, I think Nurk has been better than most people expected. Um, you know, Vogel has gotten him to kind of do his job as rim protector. And it's funny because you look at the advanced numbers and Nurkic this year and last year has actually rated as a better rim protector than DeAndre Ayton in terms of, uh, you know, blocks and also opponent field goal percentage at the rim. But that sort of thing doesn't really take into account the blow buys, the defensive breakdowns, those sorts of things. And Nurk is prone to those happening. Um, so, you know, the Suns are one of the worst teams in the NBA in terms of opponent points in the paint. That's been a tough one for their defense to handle. And when, you know, their guards are giving up blow buys, that opens up kickouts for threes. So it's kind of been compounded by all of that. But I think offensively, Nurk definitely brings a different element that DA never did. Um, when he catches the ball in the short roll because opponents are going to blitz, you know, book or KD off those pick and rolls, he's able to actually put the ball on the floor, attack the rim make passes out to the perimeter, make plays with the ball in his hands. DA would kind of short circuit in the short roll when he caught the ball, and he'd usually just pull up for a mid-range jumper. So this allows their offense to flow a little bit better. They've definitely missed him the last couple of games where he was out due to personal reasons, um, but he's back with the team now, so that should help their offense flow. And, and I think he's been better than I expected the bigger problem for me has been Drew Eubanks. He's been pretty disappointing in the backup center role. You mean to tell me that Aiden shouldn't be taking more mid-range shots? I feel I feel like one playoff <laughs> series a couple years ago, like he was he was knocking him down. And I remember like, man, if, if he can add this to his game, he can be a more well-rounded, complete player. Is that departure polarizing in Phoenix, or do most people did most people want him gone? It's polarizing, but again, I feel like it's one of those hindsight is twenty twenty things because a lot of people wanted him gone after the playoff series, and I felt it was best for both him and the Suns to move on at that point. It felt like they both needed a change of scenery there. Um, you know, the, the relationship with Aiton and a large portion of the fan base was, was kind of toxic in regards to his effort at times, um, that, that kind of lack of dog, for a, lack of a better term. Um, and I, I was glad that he's able to get to a team like Portland where expectations will be low and he can expand his game because it's pretty limited offensively considering he's in year six now or whatever it is. Um, you know, like you mentioned, he was really good mid range shooter, but that's kind of all he had to his game. He didn't have any moves. He couldn't handle the ball. Um, you know, he wasn't much of a passer. So 
I, I think it was better for both sides to move on. There is now that portion of the fan base that's saying we should have never traded Aiton because the team's struggling, but unfortunately their issues are so much deeper than just that one trade. Now this team is very top heavy. We, we've mentioned this time and time again, but give me a player or, or two players in your mind that's either flown under the radar or maybe is just not known to most non-Suns fans and maybe can make an impact in this game. Yeah, I think the biggest one of late has been Shemezi Metu. He's been a guy that I probably personally had the lowest expectations for out of their offseason additions. And he's come in and he's been a positive force every time he's been out there. You know, he gives them a vertical lob threat on the offensive end. He's actually been pretty decent from three-point range considering he's not a very good three-point shooter for his career. That's something he's worked really hard on and, and listening to him talk. A lot of repetition, a lot of reps there to be at least respectable in that regard. Um, and he's been one of the few guys on the team that can not only pull the trigger when he gets those kickouts, but also send a pump fake, dribble into the lane, and do something with it uh, against closeouts. So he's been he's been pretty good defensively. He's been okay. I think he's kind of struggled between playing the four and the five based on what they need from him on a given night with who's available. Um, but you know the the last game that he had against uh, on Christmas, he was one of the few positives for the Suns. Had a career high in scoring, twenty three points. Had a career high in rebounding with nineteen rebounds. So he's been making his case very strongly that he deserves minutes on this team. Uh, other than that, it's really been a mixed bag. <laughs> like I, I'm kind of struggling to pinpoint one player. Um, I, w- I would say maybe Nurk, but he's a starter, so it, it, it feels like I'm cheating there. Um, but everybody else, like Yuta, Jordan Goodwin, Josh Kogi, Nasir Little, uh, KBD, they've all had good flashes, and they've all had stretches where it's like, man, we cannot rely on this guy from a game-to-game basis. Now I'm going I'm to pass it over to you. Is there anything that you're wondering about from a Suns perspective about the Hornets team and how they've been playing this year? Do you have a question for me? Yeah, I am curious because I know – the Miles Bridges edition, obviously he's back in the lineup. Um, I'm not going to get into all of that on the non-basketball side of things, but how have the Hornets looked since he's been back in the rotation? Well, when he first came back, you, you would have thought that he never missed any time. Like the first five or six games in his return, like he was playing very well, um, shooting the ball from from deep at a very high clip. He was a guy that brought some physical toughness on the rebounding, which the Hornets have struggled with at times this season. Uh, but I will say that he has regressed uh, on both ends of the court. The three-point shot is not falling. Defensively, he has a lot of mental lapses on that end, so some backdoor cuts. Uh, the Suns can take advantage of, of if they are a highly um, a team that cuts a lot, uh, they can take advantage of him. They do kind of pick on him on that specific situation. Uh, but overall, this team, and I'm not going to compare them to the Suns, but they do have some similarities. I feel like the point guard position and the center position are very much lacking uh, with LaMelo Ball out. You've got Terry Rozier, who's playing the point guard position, so kind of like Booker, who's more of a score shooter type. Now, obviously, Booker's better with the ball in his hands than than Rozier ever has been. But there's a lot of players playing out of position. Even with the Miles Bridges return, the results haven't been that great. And as a Suns fan or someone that covers the Suns, 
personally, this could be a game in which you guys kind of pick up some momentum and maybe you get back under the win column and, and kind of move in that direction. So that's kind of my overall feel for the Hornets uh, since Miles Bridges has returned. Those first five or six games have been been good. Like you, you were shocked by like his impact and but, you know, it's just been a revolving door. Mark Williams, LaMelo Ball, um, Gordon Hayward was injured for a couple games. You know, Brandon Miller has been out. Like, it, it's been a revolving door of injuries with the Hornets. And, you know, at least with the Suns, you guys have been hovering around 500. The Hornets the Hornets cannot afford to have anybody in their top seven, eight guys to go down because we've seen the results with that year after year. I did have another follow-up question because a couple of weeks ago, or I think last week, I wrote an article about some trade targets for the Suns. Um, having a third center, like a rim-protecting athletic center, is one of the things that I was looking at. And uh, Nick Richards is the guy that I had mentioned. Um, obviously, Mark Williams has been out recently, and he kind of has had to step into that role. Uh, just curious, your thoughts on Nick Richards and if the Suns came to the Hornets once Williams is healthy with an offer of like – three second round picks or something like that. Do you think that would be worth their while or is that selling too low on a guy who's on a pretty nice contract for the next couple of years? I didn't realize you guys had second round picks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we have a couple, we have like five and that's it. They're extras. And then that's all they have to trade. <laughs> yeah. You guys don't have a lot of draft capital. Um, Well, the Hornets are in the similar situation. Even if Mark Williams, you know, is back, uh, they don't have a lot of depth after Nick Richards. They recently mm-hmm. brought up uh, Nathan Mensa from Greensboro, signed him. They, they obviously, you guys have Teo Maladon that that was a direct transactional um, occurrence there where, Tail went out. Mensa came in on the same day. Uh, but Richards is a guy that, to your point, is a pick and roll big. He's a very good presence around the rim. He does not offer a lot out kind of in that elbow area. He's going to set screens and roll hard. Uh, he was known for setting illegal screens last year a lot. I would say he was probably in the top five in the NBA for illegal screens. Uh, defensively, yes, he's going to be a guy that uh, can provide some rim protection for the Hornets or potentially if the Suns were to trade for him. I don't know if the Hornets would do that because, to your point, the the contract is very, very friendly. Team-friendly is like $5 million, I think, yeah. per year for a couple of years after this one. I've always said this too, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this. He is very, he's like a similar mold to Mark Williams. And mm-hmm. so when you go from Mark Williams to Nick Richards, like, I guess the consistency is nice, like having the consistent like play style. But I always wonder, is it, would it be better to have a guy that would have a change of pace coming in as that second center? So that's the one thing that I'd be like, okay, maybe I'd be more willing to get off of Richards. But, um, I don't know. I mean, he's not like blowing it out of the water by any means. Like he's definitely movable, but I, I think, you know, you probably wrote about it, but it's it's just a, the contract is just so nice for Charlotte. Right. I, I think that was the first thing I mentioned in that section was Nick Richards is probably the exact type of player the Hornets should keep because yeah. he's on that friendly contract. That's a good thing to have for a backup guy. And to your point, like I remember obviously very different scenarios and expectations, but when the Suns had DA and they had JaVale McGee coming off the bench behind him, there was, you know, there was no change in the way that those two guys played in terms of rim running alley-oop presences. So that was a, a helpful thing for the offense. So that would make sense if, you know, a couple of second round picks aren't really going to move the needle for Charlotte. But I was curious because you never know how certain teams view, you know, backup guys. So no, I appreciate the insight. 
Yeah, it's funny. He's one of the few guys that uh, I was like looking at the roster, like one of the few guys on the Hornets, like outside of LaMelo, that has either gotten better or stayed the same. It feels like a lot of the Hornets roster has gotten worse this season. Mm -hmm. Um, So hats off to him for kind of staying consistent on that end. Gerald, are you a big trivia guy? I love it. I love learning things. I'm not very good at it, but I I always enjoy learning. <laughs> so the reason I ask, I'm I'm gonna test your Phoenix Suns knowledge with just four quick questions before we wrap up this episode. And okay. what it is, I'm gonna give you clues on four players who have played for both the Hornets and the Suns. And the goal for you, Gerald, is to get three of four correct. All right. <laughs> now as I was making these, I don't know if I was like too obscure or if it was too easy. So we'll see how they go. Okay. <laughs> um, All right. Player one is the oldest player in terms of just like the era that he played in. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe you should be able to get this. Okay. So this former Hornets and Suns player made the all rookie team in 1988-89. And one of his most defining highlights is a game tying three point shot with two seconds left in the first round of the 1997 playoffs. Ooh, 1997 playoffs. Okay. Let's see. I would have been six years old then. So this one might be tricky. I should probably know this. Um, they were playing against the Sonic. Go ahead. The Sonic. Is it Rex Chapman? There you go. Rex Chapman. All right. Okay. There we go. <laughs> All right. Player two. Uh, this face up big was more known as a Charlotte Hornet where he started his career, but he scored a career high with the Suns, scoring 31 points in 32 minutes against the Blazers in 2021. Ooh, 2021. I should know this then. Let's see. 2021. That was the year they went to the finals. It was against the Bla- How many points did he score? 32? 31 in 32 31 minutes. in 32 minutes. Uh, early in the season. It was early. It was like game eight or nine in the season. Okay. And you said it was a face-up big? Face-up big. Okay. Um, ooh, I – oh, shoot. What's his name? Oh, Frank. Frank Kaminsky. There we go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was going to kill me because I, I was even remembering. I was like, that was against uh, – that was against – Nurkic. You said it was the Blazers, right? Yeah, yeah. it was against Nurkic. So I was like, I know this. <laughs> All right, player three. This one might be the most obscure one, but if you get this right, you have met my goal here. <laughs> okay. uh, this shooting guard out of VCU were number 30 for both teams, and actually he wore number 30 for out his whole career, all seven teams. He is best known for his three-point shooting. He played two seasons for Charlotte and two seasons in Phoenix. I guess the biggest clue is a shooting guard out of VCU, number 30. Man, I'm usually pretty good with colleges too, but the VCU one is tough. Um, seven different teams, huh? Yeah, and and he's a guy that like when you think of him, all he does is shoot threes. Like, there's not really another quality that you can think of. Mm. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'll be able to get this one. It might have to come down to the all last right. guy, Troy Daniels. Troy, oh yes, Troy. There we go. <laughs> His uh, that was fun. It, that was really funny because he had that one spat with Devin Booker back when he was with the Grizzlies, and then they wound up being teammates a couple seasons after that. That was a good time. All right, last player. This thirty-one-year-old big was recently signed by an NBA team. Several Dude. weeks into this season, uh, he was drafted by the Kings, but was part of a draft day trade that actually landed him in Charlotte, where he has spent most of his career. But obviously, he's played for the Suns as well, fairly mm-hmm. recently. 
<laughs> One of the best guys in the NBA, Bismack Biombo. Yes, yes. <laughs> Did the uh, Phoenix Suns consider signing him, or was it more of like a money issue, you think? I don't know. I really think they should have considered signing him. Um, I Okay, here's the thing. Isaiah Thomas loves Bull Bull, and as much as Matt Ishbia will talk about how his friend Isaiah Thomas is not running any official position with the Suns, he does have input. And so Bull Bull has been on this roster taking up a 15th roster spot that I felt should have gone to busy. Like He is the exact kind of third center that they need in terms of a rim-running, shot-blocking, rim-protecting kind of athletic big. And they really missed the boat on not signing him because look how well he's done with the Grizzlies, especially coming in late into the season. Like That guy's always in shape, but he's, he's also one of the nicest human beings I've ever met. So... Good for yeah, the I think Hornets could have used him too, not just for mm-hmm. center depth, but also just for like that veteran presence and being there before. That's that's something that the Hornets truly lack. They have some guys that have been around like Rozier and, and Hayward, but I think they need another vocal guy in the locker mm-hmm. room. But uh, I appreciate you, Gerald, uh, for joining us today. Let everyone know where they can find you and your work online. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Gerald Borgay. Uh, you can read my work on the Suns if you're ever interested in the Suns perspective at gophnx.com. And if you are interested in listening to a pod about the Suns, we are the PHNX Suns podcast uh, available wherever you get your pods. I do listen to that on occasion, especially when we're approaching a game with the Hornets. Uh, so definitely check them out. Uh, listeners, also, we'd appreciate if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you like what we do, that's the easiest way and the quickest way to support us. For Gerald, I'm Richie. We'll talk to you guys soon.